welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Wonderful. Um, So as Ad says, now we're going to carry on with the last in our series on the Psalms. It's been a brilliant series, so rich, so poignant for the time that we're in. And it is my pleasure to introduce Hannah, who I'm sure loads of you know personally and are familiar with her wonderful, wonderful self and her teaching. Um, I love this woman. She has a fierce mind and a kind heart, and that makes for an absolute whopper of a sermon. So (laughs) Hannah, can I pray for you before you start? Yes, please. Thank you. Father, thank you so much for your word. Father, thank you for the richness and depth that we find in it. And Father, as we open our Bibles today and as Hannah teaches to us, would we learn more of who you are? Father, would we know you with us? And would you illuminate yourself to us through Hannah's words this morning? We love you. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Jazz. And good morning to all of you. It is such a pleasure to be with you this morning. And as Jazz said, today we are finishing our series on the Psalms of Ascent. And it has been an amazing three weeks journeying through these profound songs of worship. And today we are closing out the series with one of my absolute favorite passages of scripture, Psalm 131. Spurgeon says of this passage, it is one of the shortest psalms to read, but one of the longest to learn. Honestly, I'm not sure that I'm ever going to graduate from this passage. I think it is something that I'm going to need to come back to time and again in my walk with the Lord. The rich imagery in this has so much to teach us about contentment and the posture that we are to adopt as children of God. In these three simple verses, we discover the keys to contentment, peace, and hope. So let's read together. If you've got your Bible there, it is Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forever. Amen. This psalm is an invitation to be shalom makers and hope givers in a frantic and troubled world. It shows us how to not lose our centre of gravity when we watch the news. Our world may be in turmoil, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. It is a way of living not in pride and reliance on myself, but of living in peace and contentment as a child with her mum. And I want us to think through the three stages of this psalm this morning. And the first is David's renunciation of pride. 
David, we remember, is the king of Israel. In worldly terms, he's like the man. He is remarkably successful in life, in politics, in battle. The Bible even makes the point of telling us that he's handsome with beautiful eyes. Now, Hebrew writers don't often include details like this, which leads me to believe that he was really a sight to behold, as well as all of his other achievements. So he's literally the king. And in worldly terms, David then, he has every reason to be proud of the position that he has in life, his accomplishments, the admiration that he got from everyone around him. And yet, David begins this psalm by saying, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. So how can David be so humble? Well, notice that he doesn't simply say, I am proud, but rather he says, my heart is not proud. He has searched the very deepest level of his being and rid himself of pride on a heart level so that he can stand before God in this remarkable position of humility. It's an amazing thing, isn't it, for someone to know his own heart so as to be able to speak to God about it. Do you know your own heart this morning? Do you know what's going on in your internal world at the very deepest levels? My heart is not pride, God. And so David wages war against pride on three levels. Firstly, in the feeling, the heart level, he searched his innermost being. And then secondly, his external being his appearance, his eyes. He doesn't carry the, the posture of pride. He doesn't look down on people. What he's saying is when you look into my eyes, those beautiful eyes that he had, he's saying, you will not find me looking down on you. You will not find me trying to better myself, trying to be superior. You will find only a reflection of my internal world, which is peace and contentment. My eyes are not haughty. I wonder today what my external world, my eyes, my posture, the way I carry myself around people, the way I look at people, what does that communicate about my internal world? And then thirdly, David renounces pride on the level of action. He says, I do not concern myself with great matters. Concern here is the Hebrew word halak, which more literally means go after or walk in. It reflects action. And so David is saying, I'm not going after or walking in or pursuing great things that are too big for me. I'm not running after ambition, which sees and wants and pursues ahead. I am content. I am like a child who is happy to be exactly where God has placed me. Now, this line about not concerning myself with great matters, this is something that I'd expect from maybe a less important character in the Bible, right? Someone in more of a supporting role, a minor prophet, perhaps. You know, I don't concern myself with things that are too big. I'd expect that line from someone like that. But this is David, right? The greatest king that Israel has ever had. He's in charge of the entire nation, 
Thousands of people report to him. The responsibility in his shoulders is profoundly great. If David doesn't do his job well, people will lose their lives or their land. The stakes and the responsibility of his position are enormous. And yet he says these remarkable lines. You may feel this morning the, the weight of being in a lofty role or position. You may carry responsibility for a lot of people, a major organization, a big vision. And yet none of us today carries so great, so lofty a position as David did. If someone like him can arrive at this place of quiet and calm in his soul, perhaps we can today as well. I know that I've had times in my life where I've felt the, the weight of responsibilities on me acutely. Maybe it's the weight of work life or family life or studies or ministry, wherever it is. And truth be told, when I feel that way, it's often a form of pride, that weight that I'm carrying. It's, it's making myself too big in the picture. And Adam, my husband, when I'm feeling this way, he'll often look at me and he'll say his favorite C.S. Lewis quote to me, which is this, be comforted small one in your smallness. He lays no merit on you, receive and be glad. And it is so annoying <laughs> when he does this, because of course he's so right. I've made myself too big in the picture and I need to actually be comforted in my smallness. But somehow we find ourselves so naturally concerning ourselves with great matters. And yet here is the greatest king that Israel has ever had, showing us how to let go and step back and remember that he is God and I am not. Or sometimes for us, these great matters that we concern ourselves with, it's not our responsibility or position that we currently carry, but sometimes there are ambitions the striving after greatness. It's interesting, isn't it? Ambition, it can be a good thing. It's not often thought of as sinful or problematic. But I think distinguishing between selfish ambition that's born out of pride and a kind of holy ambition which says, I want to be used as best I can in building God's kingdom. I think distinguishing between those two things at, at the deepest heart level is one of the most important questions that we can ask ourselves. David knew from very early on that the throne was to be his. There are not many loftier ambitions than to be king. And yet David's ambition was to calm and quiet and content his soul, to be like a child. And as David sought the Lord with all that he had, God then positioned him in the highest throne in the land. But king was never his ambition. I do not concern myself with great things. David's ambition was the presence of God. And from that place of total inner contentment, he's entrusted with massive responsibility and position. Honestly, I think it's really difficult to pursue both, maybe even impossible. Spurgeon once said, many through wishing to be great have failed to be good. I think it's honestly really difficult 
to pursue both. But I do think that it's likely that in pursuing God with all that we have, in quieting, calming our inner world, detaching from pride at every level, it often happens that we end up with both. Matthew 6, 33, right? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. What would it look like to make the presence and person of God my ambition? Robert Murray McShane says this, and it's something that just challenges me to my absolute core. And so I'm going to offer this to you this morning. He says, it has always been my aim and it is my prayer to have no plan as regards myself, well assured as I am, that the place where the Saviour sees fit to place me must ever be the best place for me. David renounces pride on three levels, his internal world, his external posture and his actions. And as he steps away from pride, you know, self-aggrandizement, unholy ambitions, he steps into the humility of a child. But not just a child, a weaned child. He says this twice. What is he trying to communicate with this imagery of a weaned child? Well, if you think of a little breastfeeding baby who's hungry and wants milk, there's this urgency, right? This desperation to their cries. Any mums and dads listening to this will likely remember the exact pitch that you'd recognize anywhere of those desperate cries for milk in the early stages of a baby's life. It's such a, a posture of desperation, of, of fear, of dissatisfaction. We, we picture them kind of crying and rooting around, desperately looking for milk milk and even now if I hear that very particular milk cry of a newborn in the supermarket it just brings back all of those early moments with my daughter Thea. It's such a distinct desperate sound longing for milk but as a baby grows and begins to start solids and become weaned that desperate cry slowly goes away. There are still tears at times for sure but the pitch is completely different. It's a completely different posture, a completely different kind of cry. And now, when I hold Thea in my arms and she no longer wants milk from me, there's this kind of contentment there. She's not rooting around looking for something. She just rests and enjoys being with me. I think what David is communicating here in this beautiful image of a weaned, content child, is that he has actively rejected pride, self-importance, selfish ambition. He's rejected all of it. And in doing so, he's actually been released from the grip, the desperate hold that those things have on our souls. He's weaned himself from the worldliness of pride. And in doing so, he's been set free. Think with me for a moment about the grip of pride, of selfish ambition, the constant desire to better ourselves or be something that we're not. What pride does is it robs us of our peace. 
If we posture ourselves towards pride and self-absorption, what it does is it creates this kind of bottomless pit of need in our souls. The need to be fulfilled by external things, fulfilled by other people, fulfilled by their approval of us, fulfilled by their admiration of us, fulfilled by the positions we occupy, fulfilled by the, the feeling of responsibility of being in control over others, fulfilled by promotion, fulfilled by acclaim. And the trouble is those things are like tiny drops into the bottomless pit. Each promotion, each moment of applause, each sweet morsel of superiority satisfies us for such a short time before we're hungry for more. The deep hunger, the piercing newborn cry for more, the fear of that cry of what if I will never feel full or fulfilled again? For many of us, COVID-19 has changed the way we work and live. And perhaps a lot of the things that, that we were used to that make us feel good about ourselves disappeared overnight. Perhaps in this difficult season, we find ourselves asking, when will I feel fulfilled again? I wonder if God is wanting to wean us, to set us free from the entanglement that comes with pride or ambition and to teach us true fulfillment the secret to a quiet and calm soul and the deep contentment of a child in the lap of their parent, perfectly at home and at peace, regardless of external circumstances. Someone prayed over me once, may the Lord wean you from earth and wed you to heaven. I wonder what the Lord might be wanting to wean you from today. What would silence that desperate cry of your heart, fill that bottomless pit of fulfillment in your life? Do you have a calm and quiet soul? Do you know how to live from a posture of childlike contentment? And the beautiful thing is that you have a God who wants this with every ounce and fiber of his being, to hold you in his arms, to be your place of shalom and contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment. We're wired for this. We are wired to enjoy the presence of God, just to be in the presence of God. God for who he is. God because it's the sweetest place to be. The third and final part of this psalm is given over to David's people. Israel, he says, put your hope in the Lord. Having tasted the contentment of the posture of a child, David's heart goes out to his people and he invites them to join him in the hope that it has given him. It's amazing, isn't it, how quickly someone who has rejected pride turns his thoughts towards others. He's no longer preoccupied entirely with himself and so very quickly his heart goes out to his people. See, the joy and contentment of a quiet and calm soul is not just good self-care or personal discipleship. It brings shalom to the whole city. When we learn to posture ourselves in humility and contentment, we can offer unheard of hope to those around us. The word David uses is yachel, meaning hope in the Lord. And he, he uses this phrase time and again throughout the Psalms of Ascent that we've been looking at over these past few weeks. And 
when David uses this word Yahel, he is communicating the most profound revelation that he has discovered in his journey with the Lord. How to be a person of hope, a carrier of hope, a bringer of hope to a hurting world. Life is incredibly challenging right now. People are asking questions, feeling lost, feeling desperate, but we can calm and quiet our souls. Note the active language that David uses when he talks about this. I have calmed and quieted myself. David does not simply sit back and hope that calm will descend upon him by divine visitation or just sort of happen to him as he goes on his way. No, he goes after it. He chooses to quiet his soul. He chooses to humble himself, to relentlessly put his trust, not in himself and his own plans, ambitions and capabilities. He chooses to put his trust in God. And from that posture, to show a hurting world the way back to hope. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you are a trustworthy God. Lord, I thank you that when we put our trust in you, we will not be disappointed. I pray right now this morning that you would help each person listening to this message, wherever they are. God, that you would teach us how to be people who ruthlessly put our trust in you and not ourselves. Would you help us to calm and quiet our souls? Amen. We're going to move into a time of response now, and we're going to um, we're going to head into a song of worship. And as we do, I want to invite us to respond in two ways. And the first is this: I wonder if, as you've read the scripture and heard the words this morning, whether maybe there's something that you've realized you're looking to, to fulfill you, right? Something outside of God that you feel like you're pursuing, this kind of sense of pursuing greatness rather than God's presence. Elsewhere in the Psalms, in Psalm 139, David says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. And I want to invite you this morning to begin to examine your soul and to have the Lord search you and lead you back into him. And then secondly, maybe this morning as you've heard this word, you've just you've felt aware of a burden that you're carrying. Perhaps somewhere along the way, maybe it is a broken trust, or maybe you've just forgotten how much God wants to carry on your behalf. Maybe you've forgotten the invitation to be a child and you just feel maybe that weight of the world on your shoulders this morning. And I wonder if God this morning is wanting to invite you to take a posture of a child to begin to lay that burden before him and ask that he will take it, that you might be able to calm and quiet your soul once again and know peace and hope in that place. So I'd invite you, if you are responding to either of those areas, I'd invite you as we sing this next song of worship together to just really seek the Lord on those things and ask him to lead you back into the place of hope. So let's worship together now.